Today I'm continuing the sermon series we started a few weeks ago entitled Love One Another, in which we're looking at the instructions that we as Christians receive in Scripture for how we're to treat other people, and especially how we're supposed to treat other Christians, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Scripture is very clear that we are called to a different set of standards, and that we are called to care about one another in very specific kinds of ways. We as Christians cannot live as the world lives especially in our relationships. So today I want us to consider another one of these requirements, and that is the command that we comfort one another. To begin, I want us to look at the words of the Apostle Paul as taken from the second book of Corinthians, the first chapter beginning with the third verse. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. The first two verses of this passage in 2 Corinthians lays the foundation that we need to understand about what it means to comfort each other. It plainly says that God is the God of compassion, and that he comforts us in our times of trouble, so that we then are able to comfort other people. Now, if you've been here the last few weeks, you may have noticed a recurring theme in the sermons in this series. In every case, we are told that we are able to show grace to others only because of the grace God has shown to us. Rebecca, I'm hearing an echo. Can you turn that down a little bit? We are to love other people because God loved us and showed us his love. We are to forgive others because God forgave us, even we didn't deserve it. And we are to be kind to others because God has been kind to us, again, when we did not deserve it. And now we see that our ability to comfort other people, in fact, the basis of the command we receive to comfort other people, is entirely based upon the comfort that we have received from God. And that theme of comfort from God echoes throughout all of Scripture. We've, of course, just come through the Advent and Christmas season, and every year at Christmas time, we read passages from Isaiah, and one of them is Isaiah 40, in which God tells the prophet Isaiah to say, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Isaiah 40, verse 1. Through Isaiah, God doubly emphasizes his desire to comfort his people. Despite their sins, despite the fact that what they deserve, what we deserve, is judgment and condemnation, God instead calls for his people to be comforted. And he promises that they will be spoken tenderly to. The sins of the people who have been uh, brought before God have been more than paid for, God says, and judgment is now over. And we know that through our experience of Jesus Christ. But that passage in Isaiah wasn't just talking about Comfort and redemption for the Jewish people. Again, that was 2,700 years ago that Isaiah wrote this, but it also speaks to us. It speaks to our salvation, and it speaks to our need to be comforted. 
And if we keep reading down in Isaiah 40, we come to verse 11 and we're given an image that we can lock in on as to what kind of comfort God wants to provide to us. He gives us a vivid picture. They say that a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, here in Isaiah 40, it gives us a specific vivid picture of a loving and caring shepherd who literally gathers the lambs up in his arms and comforts them. Verse 11 says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Comfort, comfort my people. God has promised throughout all of history that he will comfort and redeem his people. That he would comfort and redeem us. And it is for that reason that we are told we can and should comfort others. In fact, the Greek word in the New Testament for comfort or for encouragement is paraklesis, which is the same root word as paraclete. And those of you may remember, some of you may remember from your Sunday school days that paraclete is one of the Greek names for the Holy Spirit, which we usually translate comforter. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, which is why when we pray for healing or help for people, we always emphasize that they would experience the comfort and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, even in the midst of their suffering. While people may not always be healed from their suffering in God's wisdom and His grace, He will still provide comfort through the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. So the spiritual gift of comfort and encouragement and strengthening of others is a direct reflection of the role of the Holy Spirit to bring us comfort in times of need. And he chooses often to do that through other people. God, the Holy Spirit, often will work through you, through others, to bring comfort and encouragement. Let me take a step back and ask the question, what does it mean for us to comfort someone? What does it look like? That may seem like an obvious question, because I'm sure all of you have experienced comfort at some time in your life. The definition of comfort is very simple. It simply means to help ease or alleviate pain, grief, worry, discomfort, or sorrow. To make it better for someone who is suffering. And often in real life, that simply means being there. It simply means being present with someone who is suffering or in need of comfort. My ethics professor was Lou Smeads, quite famous in his circle. And in one of the classes that that I had with Lou, he described what it was like as a young pastor. Lou, like me, and I can appreciate this, was an introvert. While he was a brilliant teacher, he was introverted. I am as well. People say they don't believe that, but while I'm comfortable in this setting, invite me into someone's home that I don't know, and it's very, very difficult for me. Well, Lou Smeads described it as a young pastor he would try to help people in his church during times of grief, especially over the death of a loved one. And he said that invariably he would go into their homes during the time of you know, gathering or reception, and he said he could never think of anything right to say. He would just sit there or stand there if it was a reception gathering, and after a period of time he would leave, and invariably he felt like a complete failure, that he had not comforted in the way he should. But the amazing thing, Lou said, was that invariably when he saw those family members sometime in the future, sometime later, they thanked him for being of such comfort to them. 
And Lou would say, I didn't do anything. In fact, I didn't even say anything. And they would always reply, yes, but you were there. And that was just what we needed. You see, the very great truth is that many people are not willing to even attempt to comfort somebody else in times of need because they're afraid they might say the wrong thing. But the real point is not to say anything at all, but simply to be present, to be there, to listen, to perhaps provide a gentle touch or a hug when it's needed, without feeling as though you have to try to take away the pain or fix the problem or make everything all right, because you can't anyway. You can just be there. And that's usually what's really needed. I'm reminded of a story I heard about a very wise hospice worker. When she was visiting a patient of hers who was terminal with cancer one day, she walks into the bedroom and the woman, the patient, was quite literally writhing in pain in her bed because of the cancer. And the family members were all seated in chairs around the perimeter of the room just watching this poor woman who is in agony. Well, when this hospice worker walked into the room, she looked astonishingly at the people sitting in their chairs and asked them what they thought they were doing. She immediately pulled back the covers, climbed into bed with this woman who was suffering such pain, and just held her in her arms without saying anything. That's what it means to provide comfort. It means to climb into the situation with the one person who's needing comfort, to take them in your arms, whether literally or figuratively. Now, please understand, I'm not suggesting that you climb into bed with everyone who needs comfort. (laughs) In that situation, it was appropriate, and there will be times when that's appropriate in the situation you find yourself in. Where to take someone in your arms, to give them a hug, to provide the physical contact and presence is exactly what is needed. But the point is that there is no grief There is no pain, there is no sorrow that is not lessened by the physical presence of a caring person. That's why the Apostle Paul tells the Christians in Rome in this passage, um, I'm sorry, in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. He basically is saying in Romans 12, wherever people are, join them there. If they are in celebration, then celebrate with them. If they are in grief, then grieve with them, mourn with them. We can comfort other people in their time of needs if we simply are willing to share those times with them. But interestingly, I found that it's also true that we can sometimes comfort other people, especially other Christians, by letting them share in our time of need. This, I think, is part of what Paul is telling us in verses 6 and 7 in this passage that I was referring to in 2 Corinthians, when in verse 6 he says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Listen to that. Just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. What does that mean? How is someone comforted by sharing in our sufferings? In thinking about that, I remember a story that I heard told by Barry McGuire. Do you remember Barry McGuire? In 1960, he was a folk singer. 
early rock singer, I guess. And in 1965, he had a hit song called The Eve of Destruction, this gravel-voiced kind of thing. You know, one of my favorite lines from that, you know, that song was three-day parties twice a week, which is what so many people are up for. So Barry McGuire had this hit song in 1965, The Eve of Destruction. Later on, he became a Christian, and he was one of the very first popular contemporary Christian artists. Well, in a concert that I attended many, many years ago, Barry McGuire shared an experience he had with a Christian friend of his who had been diagnosed with terminal cancer and been given three months to live. McGuire, uh, when he was preparing to leave on a four-month tour, was talking to his friend on the phone, and he described himself as being very uncomfortable. And his Christian friend said to him, Barry, are you uncomfortable talking to me? And Barry McGuire replied, yeah, I'm realizing that I may never see you or talk to you again, and I don't know what to say. His friend said, well, you could congratulate me. And he said, what? And he said, in three months, one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to be miraculously healed, or I'm going to be face-to-face with Jesus. As far as I'm concerned, I can't lose. By sharing that faith, that grace, he comforted Barry McGuire, even though Barry McGuire was not the one who was suffering right then. And telling of that story is something I have never forgotten. I continue to find comfort in that. By showing strength, grace, and faith in his time of need, this friend of Barry McGuire's was able to give him, his friend Barry, Comfort for his own life, for his own future suffering. In other words, how we respond to other people when we are in need sometimes is even more powerful than how we might act when they are in need. Sometimes it's just a matter of letting other people in when we are hurting, which can, can be even harder. But it can do as much for someone else as for us when we let them comfort us. Related to that, when I was younger, a young man, I was adamant that I always refused help from my mother. Right? You men, you know what that's like. Um, she would offer to make, make me a meal. I go, no, 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 don't, don't bother, I don't need that. Or she'd offer me $5. I go, I don't need your money. You know, just, you don't have to do that. I'm fine. And then one day my sister told me, you know, Rusty, my family calls me Rusty, You know, Rusty, one of the very nicest things you could do for mom is to let her do things for you. It's true. Sometimes the very best thing you can do is to let somebody else do something for you. To provide you comfort, to provide you support. To give you $5 whether you need it or not. While we should be available to comfort others as Jesus commanded us, sometimes we need to be available to let other people comfort us, to care for us, to provide for us, because that can bring meaning to them. And always, always, it's with the realization that we can give or receive comfort because Jesus chose to give comfort to us, even when we did not deserve it. So can we do that? Can we make the effort to care for and comfort others when they're not in need? 
When, can we allow others to care for us when we are suffering as a way to minister to them? I have, as an introvert, I have a terrible time with going into people's homes, with dealing with those things. That those aren't my gifts. But I wish to do more of that. I wish to be more available to care for those, to comfort those in need, and to let them care for me. I hope all of us, as part of this church, can find what it means to care and comfort for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, because we are part of a family. You have family here at Lakeside. And we need to comfort each other. Amen.